This is Unqualified Parenting. If you're looking for tips on parenting, relationships, self-care, or just need someone to relate to, you've come to the right place. We may be unqualified, but our info is anything but. It's a show full of parenting failures, parenting wins, and some amazing guests. I'm Jen, a full-time bio mom and part-time stepmom. And I'm Cody, a dad who recently remarried and has full custody of his daughter. And we're here to bring you our unique perspectives from our two very different blended families. Well, hello, Jen. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing all right. How are you feeling? Your recovery, what is this, week two or three since hysterectomy? Uh, it's two and a half. Yeah? It's It's been rough. You're out of your giant recliner chair. Yes. Yeah. Yesterday I was not. It's like <laughs> two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. I I sat down at a restaurant yesterday and my husband's like, you are super pale. Do we need to leave? And I was like, no, I'm fine. And after two minutes, I'm like, we, we got to go. go. I need to lay down or I'm going to pass out. That's right. And then today I felt better, like a bit better again and could walk around. And it's so weird. It's the weirdest recovery. <sighs> That's crazy. Well, yeah. we hope you get feeling better soon. Thanks, me too. And we have a guest today that's going to help on that a little bit by helping you feel like a better parent. So today we've got Dr. Sarah Allen with us. Um, she's a working mom, pediatric neuropsychologist, and parent slash teacher coach. She's on a mission to help parents raise happy brains by teaching people how to use brain science to their advantage. As a mother and professional, she's interested in helping kids directly and supporting the people who raise and educate them. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Doing all right. You know, we're battling through this parenthood. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure how good I am at helping with hysterectomy recoveries, but <laughs> can definitely <laughs> help with the parent part, I think. Yeah. Um, so... You're a neuropsychologist. What does that entail? Oh, that's such a great question. It's so funny because if I go to a cocktail party, as I've said in the past, and I say I'm a neuropsychologist, people usually say, oh, you're a nurse. Or once they, oh, really? they say, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a brain gal, which is where I got the, my brain gal from. Um, they say, oh, oh, what am I thinking? <laughs> really like, like, like you're, you're gonna like, yes. like uh -huh. you, you're thinking that a neuropsychologist is the wrong thing <laughs> so you know i usually say something like you know have a little fun with them at least you know so I'm like oh i wouldn't think that or i can't tell anybody <laughs> <laughs> that's but great after, why yeah. would you even think that that's disgusting yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly but after that you know like i talk about brain behavior relationships and that's what really uh we really are about is um, understanding the brain and the way that translates into behavior. What I say is everything that comes out of the brain. So what, what ages are, do you mostly work with? I see kids uh, anywhere from two through early 20s. And actually now I've started seeing wow. parents too. So I kind of see a lifespan in, in, <laughs> in certain ways. Uh, my assessments are more focused on school age students and I really enjoy that part, too, because I get to I kind of say it's like having your palm read or something, you know, where you get to see how a kid thinks and feels and behaves and you get to direct their learning environment in a way that is the most conducive to that that learning. And so in schoolwork that I do, that's really fun. And then in the parenting work that I do, 
I like to think of kids as um, raising little brains. And I know that sounds really weird, but it's a great way to step back and really look at your kids and look at this amazing opportunity you have to grow their brains and make them into these good humans. Um, and if you look at them like little brains, sometimes it also removes that emotion piece. <laughs> that is, is a big ticket. Um, which, when is, it comes to- which is really hard. It's hard to get rid of that emotional piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you speak spoken a little bit about teaching kids how to think and how to feel. And in a few interviews I mentioned, you, you kind of say that, that we, we, see, see, we need to see them as little brains and uh, try to remove emotion when we react with them and, and treat them. But how do we do this? Because with my emotions, I found, especially lately, like my first reaction is anger. <laughs> Second one is guilt about being angry, right? <laughs> Then mm-hmm. I apologize for getting angry. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I've developed patience to try to understand what the situation was. But it's like... Our- Can't we just skip to patience? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, Oh, that would be lovely. If you have that magic wand, you'll oh, have to send that's, it my I thought that's why you were on here. What are we doing? <laughs> well, I can give you a couple tips. So the first is, well, the reason I suggest looking at your kids as little brains is because if they become somewhat of a science experiment, you kind of become like a little detective. And that is what helps to reduce the emotion from a parent perspective. So just to give you a little tidbit on the brain, I've labeled their parts. So I call the amygdala, which is the emotion center of the brain, Amy G. Dalla, because she's just so emotional, right? Okay. So got Amy G. in the center of our brain. And then the frontal lobe, is, I've called Franny. So you got Franny and Amy G., right? They're hanging out. And, and Amy G. is the one that initiates that emotional reaction. That's the one that's always getting you. And Franny's the one that's always trying to chill her out and calm her down. So Amy's a bitch, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've known a few Amy's. Yeah. Actually, that's exactly how I picture her. I'm a teenage, teenager who knows everything and is always freaking out about something, you know. And you, um, never, you, you always feel judged. You never feel cool around them. They're always like glaring at you weird, chewing gum. And you're like, I'm just trying to be a person. Exactly. Freaking Amy G. There's no judge. logic or reason to it either. And if you have, um, you know, my daughter is almost 11 and I swear she's 11 going on 17. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so it's basically, I picture how she constantly looks at me. That's your Amy G. <laughs> um, so we really have this Amy G that flares both in parents and in kids. So when Amy G goes up, all Franny can do is kind of chill her out. And when Amy's trying, or when Franny is trying to chill out Amy G, Franny can't also think logically, um, talk to somebody rationally about what's happening, uh, and figure out any kind of problem-solving strategies. And so we need to watch that trigger as parents, but we need to also understand that that's what happens in our kids. So when they freak out about something, their Amy G is flying off the handle, their Franny needs to learn how to regulate that that emotion. And we start to recognize it like that and not take it as personally because you can see the pattern and see what's happening. Um, you know, kids really speak with their behavior. Yeah. In this case, it's Amy G speaking. <laughs> she I can't, is trying to scream at you. I can't wait to calm my daughter down by being like, look, you tell that Amy G to shut the hell up and you get Franny involved right now and she's not going to have a clue. Well, what's funny is this works with kids. If you tell them about it, it's you'll be so surprised at how it actually does connect because it kind of shifts their, what I call changes their channel. Yeah. Do it like station and it flips their channel pretty quickly so that they are able to really understand it. And that's really what I advocate is 
understanding your own brain and your child's brain. So then you can react and respond in certain ways that you want to, not in the way that Amy G tells you to. (laughs) That's interesting. Like, I I have a quote written down here that I read the other day that basically just says the ax forgets, but the tree remembers, right? Mm -hmm. We punish our children. That's just a brief moment in our day, but that could be like a foundational experience for them that could change the way they think about something. So how do we, I don't know, how do we interrupt that? Because I feel like a lot of us growing up with parents that were children to baby boomers, right? It was it was kind of tough love for a lot of us that were in that age, age range. And I know my parents just always went to anger. Mm-hmm. So what can we do as parents to just interrupt that in our own brains? You know what I mean? Like, can I pinch myself? Yeah. Can I like step well, on a pin? I honestly think we need to take a couple steps back. And if you feel comfortable and confident in yourself as a parent, because you have a plan of how you're going to approach things that automatically, that's the first step to reducing your emotional response. And then when you understand your child's brain and you can really go in for teaching them something instead of managing their behavior, that's your second step. And the third step is when they start to do it for themselves and they build some independence. So that's the kind of, that's what we want to see. So when we step back, the first thing we want to do is kind of create this growth mindset approach in our home. And the way I like to do this is through something called a glow and grow charts. Okay. And so the first thing you do, you do one for yourself and do one for the kids, make it a family activity. Remember, this is a family team. You know, this isn't something where you as the parent have to dictate to your child, you want to teach them how to do this eventually on their own too. So everybody can get involved. So the glow and grows are, where are you glowing? Where are you just rocking life right now? You're really doing awesome. And then where do you need to grow? And you'll be surprised. You know, sometimes I find parents who have such difficulty with this, doing this on their own, they can do it for their kids, but they can't do it for themselves. And you start to realize that, you know, then you never really look at yourself in this way, unless a resume maybe or college application maybe is like the first time you start to look at something like that. But if we can teach our kids to do this along the way, then they're really have a mind towards what they need to work on and where they need to grow. And that's going to serve you really well when something happens, because you can say things like, that's not your goal. You remember your goal was to, um, to really start to show your friends that you care. And that wasn't a caring thing. Why didn't you, what could you do that might be helpful in this situation? You know? So it's, it's like a, like a simpler personal inventory. Cause I've yeah. done those with psychologists before. Yeah, exactly. And you could do that personal inventory actually on your way to your glow and grow, which some some people um, benefit from is to just say, what's your superpower or ask your friends what your superpower is? What are your values? What are all these different things that you might want to include in them so you can put in your glow and grow charts? So now you have glow and grow charts for yourself and you have them for your kids and you have identified the three things that your kids really need to, to work on. You know, yeah. for my son, for example, at one point it was controlling his emotions. You know, he's a passionate little boy, <laughs> little ornery at times, mm-hmm. but we call it passion. And, um, you know, he was trying to figure out what does he do when he gets angry and he needs to figure out what to do that is not lashing out at somebody either physically or emotionally. And so when things come up, my goal is always always goes towards how do I help this little boy figure out how to manage his emotion instead of hearing the yelling and the screaming, even the kicking potentially that comes my way. Those things are no longer personal to me. Yeah. 
because they're not personal attacks. They're about help. I now I'm shifting to thinking, what can I do for his brain? That helps to reduce that emotional reaction significantly when you do that. And that's, those are the pieces. Now, all of a sudden, I'll just give you a simple example, two-year-old kicking and screaming on the floor. I've given this example before, but it's really an awesome basic one because you could see that kid and think, oh my God, how do I manage this behavior? We need to go. Let me just pick him up. He's being so disrespectful. All I said was no to juice. I can't take this anymore. Or you can look at that little child and say, wow, he really needs to learn how to control his emotions and communicate whatever he's thinking. Because all I hear is screaming right now and he's not giving me anything. And I can help that little boy calm down um, by giving him a space calmly to do that. Because once the body goes up that way, there's just really no getting it down until it comes down. Just a waiting game. Yeah. (laughs) And then you can have that conversation, right? Of, okay, next time I need you to use your words. What words could you have used to tell me how you were feeling? You know, and then we could have, we could have either talked about it or I could help you. And if you're feeling sad, here are some other things that you could do about that. I like that. It's kind of like talking Hulk down from the ledge. You know, (laughs) hey, sun setting, big day, the sun setting. That's really interesting. You, you sent us um, these four things. uh, and he titled it Parenting Differently After Divorce. Mm-hmm. And this is really interesting because I don't think a lot of parents think, oh, I've got to approach the whole thing differently versus, oh, I'm just going to parent the way I've always parented. And one of the first things you listed there was learn to let go. Mm-hmm. How do we let go? And what well, should we let go of? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that the divorce, because I just gave you some great uh, tips and ideas yeah parenting in general, but it becomes, and it's, and it's hard to do even in the most stable household with all the, the, um, the family that the four person family and all of that kind of thing, that kind of nuclear family. But when families look different and they look different for a variety of reasons, potentially, but here in divorce, you really realize that you do have to parent differently. And speaking of controlling your Amy G, you know, divorce lends itself to needing to do that pretty often. And so When I talk about letting go, I think it's really important as a parent in a divorce situation to recognize that there are things that you just can't control. And I can give you some of the examples from my own life. And this is kind of where I started putting things in this perspective. So I say there are things you can't control, but I don't mean just you can't control your co-parent or you can't control another Household, You know, what I mean is in life, there are just some things you can't control. So, for example, my sister died of breast cancer at 29. My kids lost their aunt Nana. Hmm. And, you know, it was a very difficult situation, something I couldn't control. I couldn't control that my kids were going to have to go through this. But what I could control is what I chose to do for them, how I could help them through this. And so when I say learn to let it go, you can't control that other household. You can't control these situations, but put that in the same category as things in your child's life that you just can't control. And I think that helps to chill that Amy G out and bring Franny up to the front and just kind of say, okay, you know, it's going to be different over there. Now what, now what can I do to balance out my household in a way or to support the kids when they're with me in a way that's going to be helpful to them. And now we go back to our glow and grow charts. (laughs) So that leads really great into look you have on here, learn to pivot. Yes. You know, so we hit those, 
situation is kind of like you said, like death of a family member or, you know, maybe less mm-hmm. trivial, like, you know, not making the basketball team. How mm-hmm. do we pivot and how do we help them pivot? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing is really to learn to pivot yourself as an individual. Yeah. After divorce, we always tend to go through this process of kind of trying to figure out who we are again and find ourselves and those kinds of things. And, you know, what I experienced, and I know a lot of moms experience, a lot of parents experience when you get divorced is there's this big shift in the amount of time you're spending with your kids also, because you're sharing that custody at times instead of having them with you all the time. And so suddenly, you know, if your identity is being a mother in the sense of having these children in your home all the time, you now suddenly are with a good amount of time without your children. And so in order to be able to learn to let things go, you need to get good at pivoting. And what I mean by that is shifting things around in your life to help you manage your own emotions and to help eventually to teach your children what they can do when they feel discomfort or when they feel disappointment, you mentioned the basketball team. I would think about it similarly to that. You know, for for me, it was opening up new avenues in my business that I wasn't able to do when yeah. I had this children full time, um, or finding myself the things that made me happy and having some of that time to now do that in a way that I didn't have before. Um, and when I can't control certain aspects, like we, we just went through this huge period of remote learning and the pandemic, oh, yeah. and you know, I, I really wanted to create some consistency for my kids for their schooling when I'm not able to do that, you know, I need to be able to pivot and think, okay, what other things can I provide to them? What things can I provide to myself and just constantly be able to pivot, to manage your emotions in those ways, give yourself another focus point. And for kids, when it comes to learning to pivot, it's about when things happen, you can model for them. Hey, look, you know, I was really having a tough time and now I've shifted. I've, I've learned how to manage those emotions and I'm moving in this direction. Um, and you can teach them how to do that when they feel disappointment or discomfort. I always say that conflict breeds change. Um, and we need that conflict in order to have the change. So when you see discomfort or disappointment in your kids in general, remember that that can breed some positive change. If you have this kind of, I call it mindful meddling, you know, so we're guiding, not directing, you know, we're mindfully meddling in their lives because we're going to meddle, at least for me, I'm always going to. We all are. Yeah. Forever. (laughs) But you want to do it in a mindful way. That's, that's really, really good advice. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the book coming up here. Uh, So Raising Brains, has this been released yet or is this still waiting to come out? This went out on pre-sale April 27th and on May 11th, it will drop into Kindle. And by the end of May, we will have books in hand. So excited about that. That's really cool. Um, Some of the stuff you have in the book, you have the two magic questions to help you think differently about parenting. Mm -hmm. Is that something you can share with us or is that exclusive for the book? Yeah, no. Well, I'll share the two questions. (laughs) Okay. Just the two. No, listen, I mean, the book is really, my hope is that you'll find some of these things helpful and the book will really be able to support you in your learning and growing process as a parent because we're all learning and growing. And at each different age, I like to go back and reference different things for, for parents and even for myself. So, you know, this book was really, I call it my brainchild, <laughs> no pun intended, um, <laughs> because it really is like birthing a child. Someone told me that it's like everything that you've wanted to say and put out in the world. And that I put out in different ways, kind of all in one place. Um, 
And so it, it's just such a, I'm so proud of it and I'm so happy that it's out. And uh, it started really just to back up for one yeah. second. It started because um, I, I, when I, they gave me my daughter and I, I struggled a little bit with the children before I lost three kids before I had my oh, kids. That's so, tough. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, each, each boy only lived about an hour and it was a tough process to really get through. I had one um, of those. I, I had one of those before my daughter. Yeah, those are, um, they're not fun. <laughs> Going through pregnancy that many times and then having nothing would be hell. Yeah, they, um, the, I lost my first son um, at 24 weeks. I delivered and he only lived an hour and I, and I was, I think, 23. I, I don't really know. I didn't really understand what was happening, I think, at the time because, you know, you're supposed to get pregnant and you have right. the baby and everybody gets all excited. Yeah. Um, and then actually I remember between my first son and the twins that I got pregnant with after that, um, I remember them bringing the uh, crib and the furniture into the house because we'd already ordered that. And oh. it had to come like a couple weeks later after that. And it was the first time in my life that my, I was heading in one direction and you just kind of get a major left turn. Yeah. And it, it, it bore a lot of this book. There's a lot of this book comes from that experience. You know, when I got pregnant with the twins after that, um, randomly with twins, you know, just, which is already a risk for preterm labor, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, again, young and just kind of everybody said, oh, well, you know, they're going to give you back one and, oh, it happens sometimes. And, and then, um, and the couple that with, I was in my doctoral training. Oh, wow. So I was laying, I, I went on an internship interview, which is the last year of your doctoral program. And I was laying in bed, having to rank internship sites <laughs> while, <laughs> while I'm trying to figure out, I, I ended up on bed rest for three weeks. So this was in the middle Holy of the three weeks, oh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life, not knowing that I, whether or not I would have, have these twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wow. I ended up going into labor right again, around 23, 24 weeks, um, and my first son was born in pretty traumatic uh, delivery, more for other people around me because I just kind of passed out. But I, um, a blood transfusion, you know, kind of crazy delivery because they were trying to save the second twin. Um, and then I made it about three or four days. And they said, if you make it four days and you don't get an infection, then you're, you, you can save the second twin. And day four, I just got a really nasty infection. Oh, wow. um, and yes, it's like, okay, world, we made it three days. And then you get to the fourth one, right? It's like every time. And it just, the, it wasn't what was supposed to happen for me, I guess. And, um, you know, the only good part is by then, I, as silly as this sounds, I guess, I, I got better at it. Um, so I kind of knew I wanted to hold him and I wanted to know, you know, it was a baby realized what was happening so I could spend a little more time, but, um, you're right. You know, it's you, you leave without anything. So you leave down that same entrance that everyone else is leaving with their babies and they hand you teddy bears. Yep. And the first time I was like, you can keep your effing teddy bear. Thank you. Yeah. I don't want it. (laughs) Like, like, uh, with my son, they had me like take him back and they did like feet impressions. Yes, they did that. Too. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want these little feet impressions. I don't yeah. want them. So yeah. I gave them to my ex when we divorced. I was like. <laughs> I gave my box away to him. I was, I was just like, <laughs> I, I, and it's just like, I don't need time. that. Like, yeah, I know. Such yeah. a, wow, such a hard well, the thing. Second time, um, 
now I had lost three and I looked at them and I said, can I have three teddy bears this time? You know, so the second time was so different for me than the first time, because the first time I just almost wanted to ignore it and barrel through it and you can't do that when it happens again and again. So, uh, but those are part of the experiences in my life, you know, that, and then my sister, you know, dying at 29 and my mom had cancer twice, you know, and it sounds like my life is really terrible, but I swear there are great things that have happened in the middle. I had my two current kids now and, um, you know, was really able to do some wonderful things in my, my career as well. And even though my marriage definitely did not work out, um, you know, now I'm in this wonderful relationship and working, we call it blending family, (laughs) (laughs) not quite blended yet. Um, But, you know, it really gives you a chance to live your life in a very different way. It's one of those pivot points, right? And so in this book, um, you know, I really talk, I, I really take a very practical approach to parenting because you can read all the books, right. And you can study, I studied brain science for over 15 years. Yeah. Um, but life just isn't black and white and it just doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. I mean, look at the way my life turned out. Yeah. And, I can't give you and how to here's rule one, two, three, and four, because the second I give those to you, your kid is going to find a rule five, yeah. <laughs> all one through four. Yeah. Uh, or they start throwing letters into math and you're like, Whoa, hang on, bud. <laughs> exactly. And so these two questions are really born because this is a guide, you know, when they handed me my daughter, even despite all the training I had and kids I lost and I'm excited I was I was like are you sure I'm supposed to go home now like where's the manual where's where's the book somebody you know like can't you yeah. give me something and there's some like early you know sleeping and eating and some early parenting books but and there's some behavior books but when you become a parent you realize it's not just about managing your kids behavior you know there's so much more to your kids and so these magic questions that I've been gearing up to <laughs> <laughs> Are, are things that are designed to really help you start to see your kids as little brains. So every time you look at them, it should be, what can this little brain, what does this little brain need to learn? And what can I teach this little brain? And if you come at things like that, that's the chill out Amy G moment there. Yeah. And that's the bring up Franny moment there. And those are the things that, that help to bring that patience, as you called it earlier, up to the forefront. And now you know, you can really approach your kids a little more mindfully. Does that mean you will never lose your shit? No, (laughs) that does not mean that. Um, And, you know, I even have a whole course designed to help families implement this, even with the book out, because again, you know, it's, there is no rule book. You you need some practice and some guidance with it. I have my own guidance. You know, I, I, I call it a dream team in the book. You know, everybody has, no matter what your family structure is like, even if you're a single mom, on your own, you still need a dream team. And that dream team can be made up of anybody, but it has to be your support because, you know, when your daughter looks at you and snaps at you and tells you, you know, I don't want to go to your house or daddy likes me better, whatever it is, you know, (laughs) you need to be able to hear the message, not the delivery. (laughs) We say, and try to figure out what is this little brain trying to tell me? What's what she's speaking with her behavior, what she's saying right now. Uh, what does she need to to learn? What can I teach her? That's They're awesome. Good. Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned courses, and you have a course starting next week. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? 
Yes, this is, I'm very excited about it. So this is called the Little Brain Master Parenting Course. Okay. Um, and it's really to help provide that guidance. Um, I really, I have some mixed families in there right now. You know, I love the idea of really working with families that are blended or are blending or have this difference um, in their structure because I think it, it, it makes it even more exciting and fun to support them because there's some challenges that come up. And I don't think there's a lot out there when it comes to how do you not just manage behavior and control things, but actually grow your children's brains in those kinds of situations. Um, and so that course is really designed to do that. So there's some modules that people can go through and then have that, that material again, to go back and reference, which is really important to me because at each age you want to kind of go back to those basics and check them right. all out um, and really be able to see them in a different way than you saw them when your kids were younger. Um, and then there's some coaching that goes along with that too. And so for the course that opens up next week, there's um, two spots left, and in that course, I'm adding free coaching for a full year. So oh, there'll be wow. premium group coaching for a full year with that first starter group of, of people, um, and there's two spots left in that one. So I'm so excited about that. After that, I'm going to open that up to um, to everybody <laughs> and really let that run on its own. What's the URL on those? So uh, for people interested in the course, I actually created a private Facebook group called mybraingal.com. Okay. And that will take you right to uh, the, the Facebook group, which has a couple webinars in it that I'll show you a little bit about the course. Nice. Anybody interested can also go to my website, which is brainbehaviorbridge.com. Okay. And we will, we will throw links to all of this stuff in our show notes. So if you'd like to reach out to Dr. Sarah Allen, if you'd like to purchase the book or take any of these amazing courses, head on over there, brainbehaviorbridge.com. You can click the link in the description. Um, Dr. Allen, we want to thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your day to pick your brain. Yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Really I'm, I'm glad you picked it up because Jen didn't. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, so thank you. So you got to leave her alone. Yes. <laughs> That's true. All right. I'll leave her alone. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been fantastic having you on. We'd love to, you know, maybe have you on again a little bit later um, as we, as our kids grow up a little bit and we go back and kind of realign ourselves to what we need to do yeah I would love but, that. thank you awesome all right well thanks again and uh jen and i will be back after a little break well that was a great interview i really liked having her on me too and, i learned a lot and yeah she really i didn't feel like i could talk a lot because I was like just absorbing of all the and I was like thinking about the frontal lobe and how weird <laughs> brains are and, <laughs> and how they're like all connected but yeah it's you know every every once in a while we get these amazing guests and we just like literally we're both like furiously writing down notes and like oh shit I gotta like bring this up when I get home and I gotta do this and yeah like the glow and grow I really like that uh, yeah it's very it's what's nice about it, simple yeah. Well, and I'm the opposite. I usually am like, what do I need to work on? What do I need to work on? I never take time to like, what am I glowing at? Because I feel like an idiot. You're like, oh man, I am glowing at being cool and <laughs> funny and I, I wear cool shoes. Special unicorn. Um, when in reality, I'm just like, fuck it. Come on, come on. Get it. Like every, like every five minutes, fuck, get it together. 
so I have a hysterectomy update that I thought was interesting. I actually have a soundbite for that. Oh. Right. Hysterectomy update. <laughs> I was so excited. I really thought you had <laughs> something. Can, can I... Can I t- tell everyone the joke I told you? Yes. It's a really stupid joke, and I came up with this joke before Jen had her surgery, and I ran it by my wife, Mikkel, <laughs> and she said, absolutely do not say that joke. That joke is not funny. <laughs> so let's broadcast it on our podcast to the entire world. This is how I... Glow. Rebel. You're glowing. <laughs> I'm glowing right now. Anyways, the joke's stupid. Basically, I just said, hey, Jen... I would dare you to have a baby right now, but you don't have the guts. <laughs> I thought it was clever. I thought it was clever. If you think it's clever, you can email my wife at <laughs> Cody's wife at podcast.com. That's not a real one. That's nothing. But. Did your computer just bling right when you said that? Because that was weird. Yeah. I got an email. Oh. From, from Mikkel. Allen. Oh. Yeah. Cool. She's, she's fast. Yeah. Damn. You'll know. She's listening. She says, man, that joke was fucking hilarious. <laughs> What's your hysterectomy update? So there's this, I'm going to pimp out this website. They're not paying me, but they're, they've been an amazing support. Did you say support. pimp out? Pimp out. Oh, okay. I was like, how do you pen pal a website? Pimp. Cody. You're going to pimp. pimp it out? <laughs> yes. It's like a disco ball. Yeah. Some purple velvet. Like my ride. Pimp out. But what? Anyway. I heard you liked hysterectomy, so we put a hysterectomy in your hysterectomy, and now you can play hysterectomy <laughs> videos. Histersisters.com. Histersisters? So you put in the date of your hysterectomy, and oh. anyone else that is having a hysterectomy that week, it's like, boom, you're in a forum together, let's fucking talk, and you can ask your hostess awesome. questions, and she'll also say, congratulations, you've made it to week two, here's what you can kind of do, you can sit and fold laundry, Fuck yeah! do not carry it, oh. leave it alone after that, like, they'll guide you on things that are safe to do and not safe to do, and then other people are like, oh no, I'm bleeding, was this normal, <laughs> and she'll sit there and tell you, like, Maybe call your doctor. Call 911. Hey, everyone, like the front fell off. What do I do? So they'll send you random questions such as this amazing article that they sent me. How will my vagina stay in place after hysterectomy? I got to tell and- you, <laughs> I have that question about mine all the time. You, you know those wacky inflatable flailing <laughs> tube men? <laughs> That's just all I pictured is the vagina's just like flopping around, falling out. Kind of like, like, like back when like high speed trains were just becoming a thing around the Industrial Revolution and women weren't around. They went like 35 miles an hour and women were banned because men were convinced the uterus would just fucking fly out. <laughs> there, there are actual water slides today that women cannot right on because it's ruptured things see i can see that right because the water's shooting up there but close them down that shouldn't be a fucking thing well and any any water slide that you go down that's going to do that you're <laughs> supposed to cross your legs anyways you don't have the balls to go on this water slide <laughs> no i left them at the top especially if you go down a water slide after hours and there's no water so i had to read it because i don't know how my own vagina works apparently so it varies Magic. on what type of hysterectomy you have, but usually it involves suturing uterosacral oh ligaments boy. to the vaginal cuff and reinforcing them to provide ample support for the vagina vault. Are there such things as vaginal cufflinks? 
the vaginal cuff is new after you have a hysterectomy. Oh, you get it installed. Yeah. Okay. So picture this. I don't wanna, I don't <laughs> picture. picture it. <laughs> so picture a toilet paper roll. It used to Which go to the, the cervix. Yes. Okay, it used so to go cardboard. to a cervix. Cervix is gone. But toilet paper rolls are just open on both ends. Exactly. Because okay. it would go to a cervix and then a uterus like it, to make a baby. Is this like a Charmin double so roll? So now it's any roll you want it to be. Okay. So now you pinch the top of that toilet paper roll Ouch. and sew it closed. Okay. And that's the vaginal cuff. It's okay. new. It's a new installment when I pimped my... Does, does it come with a warranty? <laughs> it does. does. If it breaks open and you start bleeding out, you get to go and have surgery again. Does it have... Or bleaches? have this like weird thing like lasered shut. There's lasers. There's new cuffs. I gotta like, say, this is gonna make a great movie when this comes out. Vaginal cuff lasers. Pimp out your vault. Yes. <laughs> yes. And on that note, I'd like to <laughs> go to the end of the podcast. Do you learn so much about anatomy? You're welcome. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I I didn't say thank you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> So should we get even more real and talk about what the best and worst part of parenting was over the last two weeks? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yep. Um, my, my daughter kind of bumped into the wall in the shower. And Wait, is this a best or a worst? This is just all worst. Oh, okay. That's all I've got. No best. Um, yeah, so she bumped into the wall in her shower and a tile fell through the wall, which that is not how tile's supposed to work. And then a hand came out. And it turns out that like all the like cement backer board drywall behind the walls had all like gotten wet and disintegrated. So <laughs> the worst is that now I have to redo a shower that we weren't planning on doing for s several years. And we can't do it the way we want to do it because we don't have the money saved up. Well, so, and prices are insane right now and you can't find anything. So we're doing cheap subway tile because they're like 15 cents a tile. We're doing the shower. The best part of this was even though it sucks, Aubrey's super excited. And she can't wait to help tile. That's cool. Because, right, she's getting a new shower, right? Yeah. It's going to be nice and everything's going to work and it's not going to be dingy. And so she's like stoked. That's awesome. I bought like a tile cutter and showed her how to use it. And she's like, I gave her a piece of tile to cut up. And she cut it into a million pieces. <laughs> so my worst is going to turn into even more worse when we actually have to tile. But the end result will be really good. I think it's cool how much you teach her because spending time to do that takes a lot of patience. That's not why I do it. I do it because I don't want her to fucking mess with it. So I want her to see how much work goes into it. So she just leaves things the hell alone. But remember it's still when she pulled the caulk out of the shower? Oh, I remember. And she had to learn how to caulk. Yeah. Now she's learning how to put up cement backboard and tile. So either she's going to learn to leave things alone, or she's going to have her own show on HDTV. <laughs> tween Tween Designer. That's what the show will be called. My Tween Designer. <laughs> what about you? So my best is super simple, but ever since Finley was like a baby, I've wanted to buy matching outfits, but whenever I go to like Etsy, they're like always super expensive. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me and choking on your drink? 
because I see <laughs> this is a picture I see in my head, right? I'm in the mall, right? Eating a like hot dog on a stick, whatever. And I turn around and there's Jen and there's little Finley. And they're both in like matching pink leopard print track suits. And super cute. Wearing the same Vans high top tennis (laughs) shoes with fake Gucci bags. Would that not be adorable? And like (laughs) Finley's got huge like those little like star sunglasses on. Oh yeah. And she's got, because she's got sass already. Oh so much. God damn. Way more than my tween. She was bossing me around Way more. Cody, come here. (laughs) This this kid never talks ever. And we recorded Jen's house, and I walked in the door, and I just hear, Mom! Is Cody here? <laughs> yeah. Cody, come here! <laughs> I know. You- As she's in the bathtub Yeah, she's naked. in the bathtub naked. I'm like, no. <laughs> but Then she got to put her robe on and come So what's the outfit? It is. So I went to Target, and they had matching dresses. So we had matching pink dresses, and I did matching nail polish and toenail polish. And we went to the bridal shower that we were going to. And uh, all all day she'd been like, because I'm like, I bought you a new dress. And she, I hold it up to her and she's like, <gasps> and looks at it. <laughs> and I said, and this is mine. And she's like, they match. And I said, I know. And she was like, just as excited as me. That's cute. And then later she comes up to me and she's like, when are we going to the bright shadow? And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is a bright shadow? Mom, and she's like, I want to go to the world. bright shadow. I'm taking you into the bright shadow. Yeah. I was like, this sounds kind of cool, but I don't understand yeah. what you're, you're saying. Like, Hang on. That sounds dope. I'm going to need some drugs first. <laughs> <laughs> she meant bridal shower the whole time. Um. Which, by the way, I got to the bridal shower and I immediately had to go to the bathroom because I was bleeding so much and almost had to leave immediately because I was like, am I going to die here? What is happening? So I couldn't even stay that long. But at least she got to go and experience a new That's thing. True. And I was like dead the next day. That's probably why I was so exhausted. But it was fun. Um so if you've had, if you're getting a hysterectomy, just expect to rest. And I know you might think that you're like super tough because so did I. I can handle pain. I cannot handle sickness or dizziness or wanting to puke or pass out. Yeah. Like I, you can't, you I, can't I, push through I'm that. I'm the same. Give me the dry heaves and I, I just give up. Yep. It's like, I'm done. Give me my 600 pound life chair. Um, so the worst was that I haven't been able to do like anything. I can't mow the lawn. I can't do the laundry. I can't even pick up my kid. It's I'm very much. I have noticed you have more patience with your kid when you don't have a choice. Because yep. I can't make her get in her car seat. Nope. So it's like you have to. And she does it quicker. It's, it's like learning how to be a hostage negotiator. Yeah. You're like, look, get in the car seat. The snacks come out. The snacks do not come out if I have to ask twice. Now, if you get in without me asking, snacks come out two times. <laughs> um, so my what now is just like rest and recover and keep not push myself yeah. too much. Because like that bridal shower, I went to a store before the bridal shower and I haven't been to the store in a long time. And it was too much. Yeah. And I just, I just can't. Like, I don't want pop all my stitches and yep. ruin this and have to have well, surgery like, again that first shoulder surgery i had was right before halloween and i went the next day to dina's mm. and remember we were there for like 15 minutes 
Yeah. It wasn't the pain. I was just going to vomit on everything. That sucks. That does suck. Yeah, you just got to... You just got to rest. Yep. Take it slow because people who rush it, they tend to do damage. And yeah. it takes even longer. And you can't, some of this damage with the hysterectomy, you actually can't fix it if you break it. So yeah. if you break it, you buy it. Yeah. Get those vaginal cufflinks. Pimp out your vault. Nice. Subscribe. Like, comment, share. Rate us. Or hate us. Follow us on Instagram. If you have questions about brain stuff for our guests, she'd probably be, be happy to answer them. We yeah. could answer them on the next one. Or yeah. we can email you directly. If you got the brain pain, let us be your drain pain. Cut. Email us at... Hello at unqualifiedparenting.com. You have survived another fortnight of parenting. Unqualified Parenting is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Jennifer Jones and Cody Reese. With special thanks to our families and listeners for making each episode possible.